Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Find that on our Church Center app. All right, well, let's get into what we're doing today. You know, uh, we're doing this series called Doubting God, and if you've missed all of them up to this point, this is week number four. I would encourage you to listen to those. They lay a great foundation for where we're at Today, we've got a couple more weeks in this. We'll pause the series next week for my wife to, to speak and, and pick it back up. But, um, but I want to tell you, I, I've been in ministry now for, for 10 years. Isn't that crazy? 10 years. Goodness. So May 21st, we're celebrating 10 years as a church. And, 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 and I'll tell you, yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. One of the biggest things I hear from people about why they don't want to come to church, do you know what that is? They complain about church people. <laughs> they say churches are full of a bunch of narrow-minded, judgmental hypocrites. Now, I'm going to tell you, when I hear somebody use the word hypocrite, I know that's a former church person. You know what I'm saying? That's a church word. It really is. It, it's, that is a, a big old flag for me. It's like, oh, you were in church at one point in time, and you left because of something we commonly call now church hurt or church trauma, right? That at some point in time, you walked away. And I would say one of the number one reasons today that people doubt God and don't have a relationship with him is because of Christians. We've got a branding problem, guys. We absolutely do. And it's not just Christians in general. It's Christians who claim to follow Jesus and yet live their lives a completely different way. This is very confusing for people. You guys know them, and if they're here, don't point at them. Don't even nudge them. Don't even look at them. But you guys know the, the guy who posts on his Instagram all the, the, the daily verses of the day and the beautiful infographics that, you know, the, the YouVersion Bible app gives you. They post it every day on their Instagram, but their stories are full of the debauchery of the weekend. You know what I'm saying? Anybody know that person? Don't point at them. Don't, 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 don't do that. Well, we know somebody, somebody at some point in time has had a Christian boss, and maybe you've worked for a business that is, man, it's, it, this is a Christian organization. They've really got faith values. It's all written in the handbook, but you just don't see it played out on the day-to-day basis in the conversations. Well, I've been there. I've quit jobs because of that. Or maybe, maybe you've got a, a father who continually puts shame on her daughter to say, hey, you need to cover your body up and... Projects body issues on, or projects those issues on her, and yet he's got a secret porn issue. Uh-oh, we're getting a little more serious. Or maybe it's, it's the pastor that you look up to and you admire. Maybe it's not a pastor at your local church. Maybe it's just somebody that you follow. And, and you look up to them. You admire them. You're like, man, I really want to be like them, only to find out that they have this very public humiliation. You discover that they were living a double life. And you don't understand because Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez go to their church. Oh, was that too close to home? It happened in the last two years. One of the largest churches. The guy writes books. He's on all the news media. And then you find out he's living a double secret life. And he gets caught. It confuses us. It confuses people in the church. And it confuses people out of the church. It just, it just leads to confusion. It confuses me in the same way as Planet Fitness having pizza, free pizza on Monday. Now, I'm a guy who likes pizza. I'm probably, that's not a shocker to any of you guys looking at me, okay? 
But it confuses me how a gym gives away Tootsie Rolls and pizza and bagels on Tuesdays, every third Tuesday morning. You guys know that? I thought carbs were the enemy. I'm so confused. It's confusing and it's tragic. When so many people think of the church, what they think of is scandals. They think of it as abuse. They think of corruption, hypocrisy, judgment, and hate. And if Jesus, who came full of grace and truth, that's what, that's what he did. If he came full of grace and truth, why do so many Christians seem to be full of hate and lies? Why is that the case? And so, Brennan Manning, who wrote a great book called The Ragamuffin Gospel, said this, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips. In other words, they got a good talk. They, they know all the Christianese, the Christian language. And if you were to talk to them, they would probably convince you that they are a Christian by their speech. He says, but they acknowledge Jesus with their lips, and then they walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is when an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Today, I want to talk to you about church fails. And not the kinds that we like to see on Instagram and on TikTok. You know what I'm saying? Because I do follow a few, a few accounts of pastors just doing hilarious things or funny stuff happening in church, churches. I mean, we've had quite a few church fails here. Uh, I'll give you a few of them. Don't worry. I tried to target me. It's fine. There was a Sunday morning I fell off the stage. You'll notice that there is no stage. It's just floor. I can't fall. They're protecting me. Yeah, it's just I just took a step in the wrong direction and fell into a crisscross applesauce seat. How many of you guys were there that Sunday that happened? Yeah, all right, all right. Give it a little more time. People will forget. There was a time one of our our pastors was given an impassioned sermon. It sounded like he was swearing on the microphone. Very funny. He wasn't. There was a time I was playing in the band. Yes, I play guitar. And there's this thing called a capo. It's an instrument that helps you play the same chords and make them in the right key for everybody. And guess what? I put my capo on the wrong fret. And I start playing. And here's what happened. The entire band. This was not during rehearsal. This was during Sunday morning. The guy closest to me, my buddy Chris, looks at me and goes, Oh, we started the song over and continued on. <laughs> there was a time, and you'll excuse me, there was a time that I spoke a euphemism for a sexual act that I did not realize. And then I made it worse by continuing to repeat it over and over again in my message. And for whatever reason, I missed all the snickering and giggling from my team. Didn't pick up on the hint. <laughs> There was a time we brought in a guest speaker who belched on the microphone, among other very awkward mannerisms. Church fails. Now, I'd like to sit here and talk about these all day long because they're hilarious, right? We enjoy that kind of stuff, but that's not the kind of church fails we're talking about today. We're talking about when the church, more specifically, when its people, Christians, fail you. And I know that when that happens, what it does is it winds up leaving us confused Oftentimes it hurts us, leaves us disillusioned by these Christians who are not living like Jesus. And I want you to know that if you're in that place, you're not alone. You're not alone. We don't like it, 
We, go, we want to call out the hypocrisy because of the pain that it causes. And Jesus did the exact same thing. I need you to know that. Jesus never spoke more harshly to anyone in Scripture than he did hypocrites. It's truth. And it was all the pastors and the religious leaders of the day that he called out for their hypocrisy. Matthew 23, verse 27 says this, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Anybody ever been to a cemetery before? You ever gone there and you see these beautiful, ornate buildings that they have in there? They're, they're like miniature versions of what you imagine like banks looked like in the early 1800s, you know? Like they've got these, these, these marble pillars and it's all very beautiful. And this is what Jesus is, is talking about them and comparing them to the mausoleums that are in these cemeteries that look gorgeous on the outside. But on the inside, there's nothing but dead stuff. There's nothing but corruption and decay. Jesus says, you hypocrites, this is what you're like. You look good outwardly, but inside, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. You ain't, you ain't out here doing what I ask you to do. That's not what's going on. And when Jesus uses this word hypocrite, 17 times, by the way, 17, every time Jesus is using it, he's using it in a, ver in a, in a, in a, a voice or in a, in a manner of correction for the people he's talking to. So, so just in case you're not, not up to date with what a hypocrite is, where it started was, was in Greek theater. The, they were called hypocrites because in Greek theater, they would perform in these huge coliseums. And they would be very small down on the ground, right? And so if they wanted people to be able to see their faces, if they wanted them to see, you know, that this person was male or this person was female or this person was upset or this person was crying or whatever that might be, whatever emotion they wanted you to see, they would wear an oversized mask so that you could see it from anywhere in the Colosseum and understand the intent and the tonality of their words and of their performance, and this is what Jesus is calling out. He's calling out the actors. He's calling out the people that are faking it, the ones who wear the masks. And Jesus is the very first person to ever use this word hypocrite in this context, ever, ever. And he was calling out people, the religious leaders who would give to be seen, because you know what? It would be like, like somebody sitting in the back of the room by that give box until I dismissed for the optimal moment for everybody to turn around and see you drop your offering into the give box. That was the religious leaders of the day. They gave to be seen. They also fasted to impress people. And when they fasted, the Bible tells us that when we fast, that this is something between us and God. It's not anything between us and someone else. And so it's like, wash your face, comb your hair, get dressed up, and, and go look like everything's good. Because God, who sees in private, will reward you publicly. That's why we talk about fasting. But the religious leaders of the day would fast, and they would disfigure their faces. You know how you get when you're hangry. I just need to eat. Oh, look at me. I'm so holy. I've not eaten anything all day. Hypocrites. Called out those who would stand on street corners would pray loud, long prayers just to seem religious, just to be heard. Called them out. 
called out those who were pretending to be generous, but really just taking advantage of God's people, taking advantage of the poor. Jesus had no tolerance for hypocrites, none at all. Now, I want you to notice something, that when Jesus is reprimanding them, he's not calling out their sin. He's calling out the show. Can we turn that up a little bit back there? He's not calling out their sin. He's calling out the show. Because if Jesus is looking for anything from us nowadays, church, hear me. He's looking for you to be authentic and real. Because he was authentic and real. He's looking for us to be honest, not just with him, but with each other. To be vulnerable. He called out the show. He didn't say, woe to you because you cuss. Woe to you. Can't believe what you watched on Netflix this week. Woe to you. I see who you're following on Instagram. Y'all know that's something everybody can see, right? Okay, just in case you didn't, I was just wanted to save you. Now, Jesus didn't say any of those things. By the way, speaking of things Jesus didn't say, uh, I got a series coming up called Things Jesus Never Said. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I said I, I, I brought some clarity to a statement that we all tend to believe that, that, that God will never give you more than you can handle, and that's not true. God will never give you more than he can handle. Uh, but anyway, I had several people come up to me after service and say, tell me other things Jesus never said. All right, bet. So I got a series, a little advert. Sorry, just letting you know. If we need that, I'll do it. But what Jesus did say, he said, woe to you hypocrites. Woe to you who do wrong things but act like you don't. He said, woe to you. Look at the hard words that Jesus had for the religious leaders who were acting hypocritical. In Matthew 23, verse 33, he said, you snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? So if you've been frustrated by hypocrites in the church, know that Jesus was too. And in view of that, you might wonder, why is it that so many Christians seem to fall short of Christianity? And I'm going to give you three answers to that today, okay? So if you're taking notes, write these things down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and take notes. You can pull out a connection card. There's a spot on the back of them. It says notes. Take notes. And then I, and then I, and then I, want, to, I, want, to, I want to speak to some, some real pain that I know is in the house. Because I know there are church hurts represented here, and I believe that there is a pathway for healing. Amen, everybody? Amen. I believe that, that that's one of the things Jesus paid for you to experience is full healing and freedom. And so the number one reasons why so many Christians seem to fall short of Christianity is that some people who claim Christ aren't really Christians. They aren't really Christians. I've talked to plenty of people. In fact, I, I did a lot of funerals uh, because we started our church in a funeral home. I probably did more funerals uh, than any other pastor has done in their lifetime because, like, early on, I was like, I, I, I'm like, I've got nothing to do in my schedule. I didn't know anybody, and I was like, let me minister to some families, get some experience doing this. And <coughs> excuse me. And I, so I did lots of funerals. And I would have conversations with people about their loved one. I said, well, did they know Jesus? Well, they went to church. Yeah, but you want me to say that they're in heaven. And my Bible says that People that call Jesus Lord of their lives are the ones that are in heaven. Did they know Jesus was the Lord of their lives? Well, they went to their, they had this small group that they went to. That's not, that's not answering the question. And more and more people that I talk to think just because they go to church on a Sunday morning, that makes them a Christian. And by that logic, the more people that stand in a garage are on their way to becoming a car.
Your location does not determine your identity. It just doesn't. Now, I know that that's silly, and I know that we know better than that. And yet, there are Christians that, we've, that we encounter that live like that. They talk like that. Yeah, I go to church. That's not the question I ask you. Because, see, if you've met a real Christian, you know that they have met a risen Jesus. They've encountered him and that their lives have been forever transformed and changed. They've become a new creature, given a brand new start. They're not perfect, but you know when you've met someone who's met Jesus. There's plenty of people that are Christian in name only. And God warns about this in the Ten Commandments. In fact, I'm convinced that that, that that commandment that says don't take my name in vain is not about whether you whisper the name of God. Oh, come on, Pastor Aaron, tell me more about that. Because if he was like, don't say my name in vain and don't whisper it and don't, don't say it unless you're talking to me, if he had intended that, why wouldn't he have just said, don't say my name unless you're talking to me, son? He said, don't take my name. When do we take his name? When we get married and in adoption. I took my stepfather's last name. He gave it to me, and I took it. And so I therefore represent the DeLong family because I was adopted into this family. I took a name, and God's commandment is the thing that has been in alignment with his word from the beginning of the book to the end. Do not give me all this lip service. Give me your heart. Because if you give me your heart, I know I'll get your mind, and I'll get your hands, and I'll get your life. God has always been about your heart. He says, don't take my name in vain. Don't walk around acting like you're a Christian. Be a Christian. Do what I've I've called you to do. Don't be outward only. Because people are living outward only, they come to Christianity and they, they adopt behavior modification, not heart transformation. They wind up behaving contrary to Christ. Paul said this in writing to Titus, Titus 1, verse 16. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. Paul goes on in a letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he says, hey, there's a time coming. They're going to have a a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Just outwards expressions of religion. No heart change, no life change. They're not Christians. They're not Christ followers. Jesus warned about this issue too in Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. In other words, people pretended to be something they're not. They're among you. Beware. He says you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Then he asked some really good questions. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes? No. Can you pick figs from, from thistles? No. Here's some logic for you. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit, right? It just doesn't. It's chopped down, and it's thrown into the fire. Boy, if that isn't isn't a metaphor for how life is. He said, yes, you can, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Going to church does not make you a Christian following Jesus does. Believing in God does not make you a Christian following Jesus does. So why is it so many Christians fall short of Christianity? Some of them aren't Christians. Second reason is some are Christians. They're just not mature. They're just not mature. They're brand new. They're babies. And listen, speaking of babies, nobody gets mad at babies for crying. Nobody gets mad at babies for falling down and pooping their pants and stinking up the place. 
Why? Because they're babies. And all of us, when we begin our spiritual journeys walking with Jesus, we're all spiritual babies. We're spiritual babies. And unfortunately, that means we're going to make a mess. We're going to get it wrong. We're going to poop in our pants, metaphorically. We don't get mad at babies for that, and we can't get mad at baby Christians for that. They need as much grace as we can give them as they grow. The author of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 5, verse 13, For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training, training, This is why we have growth track. This is why we have small groups. This is why we have team nights so that you can grow in your leadership. You need training. You need to learn. Through training, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So why do some Christians say the wrong things, act wrong ways? Why do they betray your trust? Why do they do things morally that is confusing to you? Well, they're Christians. They're just not mature yet. They haven't learned and they're developing their faith. I remember I was doing a Bible study with a guy early on, and um, we got to this place in Scripture where Jesus was talking about us taking up our individual crosses, taking up our cross and following him. And the text went on to describe in this book, it went on to describe that what that looks like. It ultimately means living a life of surrender, that getting into scripture and finding out where God's best crosses with our own desires. And when that happens, our desires must be surrendered and crucified to a cross. And I'm sharing with him this and and it gets into scripture and there's this question that says, so what in your life do you need to surrender? He looks at me point blank and he goes, my sexuality. He said, I know that this is something that is keeping me from God's best in my life. See, what had happened was he confessed what he'd been doing. He was confronted with God's truth. And what happened now is that the work of maturation could begin in his life. That he could take steps towards surrendering that to Jesus. Because, see, he'd been a Christian for some time but was sleeping around, which was confusing and hurtful to people inside and outside of our faith. And if you fall into this category of Christian, but you're not mature yet, I'm telling you, go to growth track. Get in a grow group. Get get involved and get connected so that you can receive that training. Take your steps. You can find that. We've already talked about it on the Church Center app or stop by the Connect Center and ask some questions. We'll get you you guided. But if you want to grow to full spiritual maturity, you can do so in a grow group. Amen, everybody? For those of you that have gone through them, you know what I'm talking about, right? So why is it so many Christians seem to fall short of Christianity? Well, some aren't really Christians. And some are Christians, they're just not spiritually mature. And then some are Christians and maturing, and they still mess up. Hello. Welcome to it. She's over here waving her hand. Yep. I'm I'm thankful that you're being honest and not pointing at your husband this morning. That's that's, that's good. I'm I'm just celebrating honesty. It's a beautiful thing. But remember, there's still an enemy that is trying to destroy us. Even if you are a Christian and you are maturing and growing Christian, the enemy's going to try to tempt you. He's going to try to draw you away from God's best. And when we all take the bait, he's got us. We sin. That's what the Bible says. This doesn't make them hell-bound hypocrites, though. It doesn't. Because there are people that love Jesus but get caught up in a social 
situation where they feel some pressure to answer a question with a lie. You know why people lie? Because they're afraid. Afraid of loss of relationship, opportunity, or other. But fear gets the best of them, and, and they lie. Doesn't mean they don't love Jesus. Well, they love Jesus, maybe they're a little bit mean. And God's got some work to do in their life. I would say it's probably a work of forgiveness, but that's not in my notes, so we won't go there today. Huh. Maybe they love Jesus and they're a bit of a gossip. Maybe they used, you know what, we need to be praying for so-and-so today because they're really going through it. You know what their husband did and what she said to him? Maybe they love Jesus and serve on the church board and they've been here for years and their marriage is deteriorating and they wind up having an affair. Does that mean they don't love Jesus? No, it means they took the bait. It means they got tricked. It means that there, there are consequences to all those things. I'm not saying giving anybody a pass. I'm just saying, huh, does that make them hellbound hypocrites? No matter how long we follow Jesus, we need to remember we are vulnerable to sin, even the guy talking to you today. Because the Bible tells us in Romans that all have fallen short. All have sinned. All of you. Me too. We're all sinners. We have sinned. We are sinning. We will sin. Thank God that Jesus, what he did on that cross, is still good enough for all of our sins. Amen. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. But we're vulnerable. And when we sin, we wind up hurting ourselves and we wind up hurting others. And if you're here today and you think you're not vulnerable, you will fall. You will. But watch that pride because your fall is scheduled in T minus five, 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 four, 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 three, 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 two, 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 one, one. Pride comes before a fall. You have failed, you are failing, you will fail. There's a sin nature that just rages war within us, guys. We all fall short, and we all hurt others. But it's interesting, though, how we approach our failures versus other people's failures, isn't it? Huh. Because, see, when I fail, well, I want, I, I want to blame my circumstances. I want to pass. I want grace. I want mercy. Justice is the last thing I want when I make a mistake. I want your forgiveness. That's what I want. I want to say things, well, you know me, I wouldn't intentionally do that. It's not what I meant. Or, you know, I was just tired. I'm under a lot of pressure. It's been a busy week. Come on, anybody heard these things before or uttered these things before to excuse your behavior? I was just hungry. You know, you know my heart. Oh, and this one's my favorite one. When someone says, you know, like, like hey, you hurt me. And they fire back, well, you've hurt me too. Listen, mm -mm, we can deal with that in a minute. But whatever I did to you didn't bother you enough to come to me and say something until I said something to you? No, thank you, ma'am. When I fall short, I tend to blame my circumstances. When someone else falls short, what do we do? We attack their character. Oh, yeah, they're hypocrites. They're sinners. We condemn them. We, they, they should be ashamed of themselves. And we want justice. Those are opposite of everything we want for ourselves. When someone else falls short, we blame their character. And isn't that just a wee bit of hypocrisy in our own lives? Pot, kettle, you guys met? <laughs> you said, like, well, pastor, I don't really like this. Hold on, you're going to like it a little less. 
So before you determine how much you don't like it right now, just wait. It's going to get worse, okay? But this is how we heal. This is what we do. <laughs> when we sin, you know, God isn't shocked. I talked about this a few weeks ago. God's not surprised by anything. He's not surprised by your behavior yesterday, today, or tomorrow. He already knows. He's not a God who's bound by time. He's seen your beginning and your end already. So since God can't be surprised, he can't be disappointed. So he's not surprised and shocked when you sin because he knows we are sinners. And Psalm wrote this in, in uh, Psalm 103, 14. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Man, isn't that good? That's good to know. That, that the God of the universe, who we always are told that is just waiting with a lightning bolt to zap us, he knows who we are. He knows our hearts and how wicked they are. He knows that we are only dust. Now, there's another translation that's a little more fun this, than this one. It's the NASB. Uh, and, and it doesn't say we are only dust. It says we are but dust. And uh, you got to be careful when you say that. <laughs> Go ahead, look at your neighbor and tell him you're butt dust. Don't do bad pastor. It's not. Church fail. <laughs> yeah, church fail. There it is. And here's what's going to happen. There will be an infographic later of me going like this, and, and it's going to say, your butt dust. That's what's going to happen. That's my team for you. They love me, and they're hilarious. Church fail. He's, gonna make, he's, make, he's already made the graphic. It's already done. <laughs> but we're dust. We're weak. And therefore, we say the wrong things. We, do, do, we don't do the right things, and sometimes we hurt other people. We're dust. Now, I'm not giving you a pass. I'm just trying to level the playing field for a moment. Come on. We're all dust. We're all sinners. Paul talks about us and says, hey, we should just make room for everybody's faults in Colossians. He says, just, just be ready because we're dust. We're sinners. People are going to sin against you. Get ready for it. And if you're here today and you've been hurt by Christians or you're constantly hurt by Christians, may I suggest that your expectations of Christians is too high? I'm trying. I'm trying. We expect someone to always be perfect when that's never been our MO anyway. There's only one that's perfect, and it's Jesus. It sets us both up for failures. It sets the people up for failures that you're expecting that from and for you. So it's just not cool because they're going to mess up. They're going to fail to meet your expectations. Hey, guess what? I will, if I haven't already, mess up and fail to meet your expectations. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say something sarcastic. It's my love language. I don't mean to. It's just I'm Jewish, and it just comes out that way. <laughs> I'm going to say something inappropriate. I think I've done five times already so far. Just in this message, I'm not going to live up to your expectations. We're going to have things that we disagree about. But remember, I'm a bag of dirt. I'm butt dust. <laughs> and so are you. You can dress in your Sunday best all you want. You're still butt dust. If you got nothing else from this message today, I guarantee you remember that. We're Christians, we're still just capable of sin. Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13, verse 49. Check out the season of what's going on. It says, the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. Christianity is spreading like wildfire. It's a beautiful thing. 
But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing. In other words, the mothers of the church. Anybody go to a church where, where they had mothers of the church? I, I, we, we had mothers of the church, man. And they were, they were the mothers that, man, they'd come up to you and read your mail. The Lord was talking to them, and they were talking to the Lord about you. <laughs> in a loving way, in a beautiful way. And man, when they'd pray, you'd swear the heavens opened up and the angels were singing. They got the mothers of the church all caught up in this. And it says the leading men, the highly respected men of the city, the affluent and influential men of the city that belonged to the church. They got them all stirred up. And they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. These are good church people who got led astray because it can happen. And Paul and Barnabas, what did they do? Did they quit church? Well, ah, forget this thing. So-and-so, rah, 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 rah. we're out of here. Forget this Christianity thing. Bunch of hypocrites. No, it's not what they did. They could have. And if they'd held on to that offense, I think they would have left church. But instead, instead of saying, stupid Christians, I'm out of here like I did when I was in my 20s. I said, God, I can't stand your people. And I know you're all about your people. So deuces and duck lips. I'm out. I did it. It's a true story. Instead of doing that, Paul and Barnabas, who were mature in their faith, knew people would fail. They knew that the church was going to let them down. They knew that it wasn't really the church that betrayed them. It really wasn't the church that hurt them. It wasn't the whole church. It was some people in the church. So that's why when people say, well, the church hurt me. No, it didn't. Who's the person at that church that hurt you? Name it. Name it, let's deal with it. There's a biblical pathway here for it. Because this, this logic doesn't work. Well, I can't go to church and I won't go to church because the church hurt me. That's like saying I had bad service at a restaurant and now I'm done eating forevermore. <laughs> you don't do that. You don't do that. If you really love a place, you'll go to them and let them know about the poor experience and give them an opportunity to make things right. Or you can just Go to another restaurant. But you don't quit eating. You don't go to Chipotle and go, well, the line was long and guac was extra and the chips weren't salty today. I'm never going back. Nay, nay, I say. Go back. Try it again. It's good. Somebody had an off day. But what I know about Chipotle is if you go to them, and you, I just know this, this is not really in my notes and doesn't really have much benefit, but if you go to them and let them know you had a bad experience, you know what they'll do? They'll thank you. And they'll reward you with free stuff. <laughs> Serious. Send them a little email. Here's the date I was here. Here's the copy of my receipt. They'll ask you for all that stuff. And I know that because I'm a pro. <laughs> and you better believe that there's free Chipotle being handed out. Money, please. I want this. Give it. <laughs> but how would that work in the church? If we started actually doing what Matthew 18 says for us to do, that when our brother offends us, we go to them and we talk to them about it. Oh, that's hard, Aaron. I don't want to talk about that. I'd rather leave the church or never eat again. Mm-hmm. It's peacekeeping. We would just walk away and don't do anything with it. The Bible calls us to be peacemakers. Peacemakers. Not in my notes. Thanks, Kyle. That was free for you guys. Mm-hmm. She does peace. It's a whole other message coming. Paul and Barnabas did not decide to leave the church. What they decided 
was that they were not going to let the sins of the people keep them from experiencing the goodness of God. That's a decision you have to make as well. People are just dust. They're going to let you down. Look at the very next verse. This is what Paul and, Paul and Barnabas did. It says, so they shook the... Uh-huh. Everybody with me one more time. They shook the... Yeah. The butt dust. They shook the butt dust off. Mm-hmm. They shook it off. Off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Man, what they did was they stepped up and said, we got to T-Swift it up in here. we got to shake, 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 because the haters going to hate, 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 and the player's going to play, 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 and I'm just going to shake, 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 shake it off, I shake it off. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what we have to do. We just got to shake. I'm not right. You're right. He said he's not right. Where are we? What is this place? Is that a brick wall back? Is this a comedy club? Where are we right now? I don't know. Listen, if I have to be funny to get you to open your hearts to Jesus, I will do it. Mm -hmm. He's worth it. He's worth it. Oh, God. Got to shake it off. And I want to be very clear, I'm in no way trivializing or minimizing your pain. If you've, if you've walked through church hurt and church trauma, I'm in no way minimizing that by telling you to shake it off. Because i got my own traumas to deal with. i got my own story. i got my own pains that I've had to walk through. But maybe the difference is, is that I've chosen to take some steps, and I'm inviting you to take some steps too. Because we can shake it off, and it begins with praying. Because I, I'm, I'm very aware that your stories may go, he touched me. He robbed that innocence from me. They lied to me about this. They stole that from me. They abused me in this way. And I'm aware that those are painful stories. And I am not trying to take those from you. I'm here to hear your pain. I'm here to witness your trauma and your tragedy. But I'm also here to call you to the full freedom and healing that Jesus has for you. So when I say take steps to shake it off, there's a process, and it begins with prayer. And then it might look like you might need some, some help from a professional like I did to go to a therapist and have them walk with you and pray with you, and you can do a little shaking, right? And then you can find out that God's called you to forgive, but you're not ready to forgive, but you know that God is faithful, and that if you say, God, I know you've called me to forgive. I'm not ready to forgive, but I need your help to help me forgive. Please help me forgive. Help me want to. And then God will help you do some more shaking. And then the next prayer may be like, God, I'm ready to forgive, but this is really hard, and I'm going to need you to walk with me. And you do a little more shaking. There is some healing to be experienced in shaking the dust off. And it's not easy. I'm not here to tell you that it's easy. Nothing about shaking the dust off is easy. It's not. But I don't know very many people that are joy-filled who walk around carrying grudges. They're just not. You want to experience God's joy-filled best, shake it off. I do a daily shake. God, forgive me, just like Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. Help me forgive all those that has sinned against me. As I forgive them, forgive me. This is so important. Jesus said, I'm not, God won't forgive you unless you forgive others. It's important. So I do a daily shake. Lord, show me anybody I need to forgive. And, I name, and when he shows them to me, I, I name all the things I've been holding against them. And I let them go. Some of that's a little harder some days. And I might need two or three days like that. 
Some of you, you've forgiven somebody and then you don't see somebody for a year and then when you see them again, oh, got to forgive them. Got to let that go. Got some shaking to do still. Thought I was done with it, but I got some shaking to do. It's important. I even do some pre-shaking. You do some pre-shaking. Because like I said in Colossians, it says, go ahead and make room for people's faults. Get ready. So I choose. I'm like, God, not only do I forgive him, but today I choose pre-forgiveness. I choose to walk in forgiveness for anybody that offends me today. And I posture myself to be ready for y'all to mess up. For my wife to mess up. For my kids to mess up. For my coworkers to mess up. For somebody to cut me off in traffic. And to be postured and ready. I'm going to forgive them. It's my posture for the day. I do some pre-shaking. Biggest complaint about the church is it's people. Full of bunch of narrow-minded, judgmental hypocrites. And if you've been in a church and you've been hurt by one or by a Christian more specifically, and you've got this disdain for the hypocrites inside the church, can I just, maybe that person's long gone or you don't, you don't know where they are to find them to have a conversation. Can I just on behalf of them, on behalf of God, can I just apologize? Would you receive that from me today? Would you, would you let that begin to heal that wound in your heart? But I'm sorry that we've made mistakes as pastors and leaders and as church members and Christians. I'm sorry for all the ways you've been wounded and felt neglected. I'm sorry for the times we didn't pick up the phone and call you back. We weren't there in the time you might have needed us most. Sorry for the times we were scared and lied to you. Sorry for our own mistakes and our own humanity. I'm praying today that you will be healed. That you'll experience that. Because God has that for you. He wants to make you whole. reality is, is a lot of us have been hurt by hypocrites. And a lot of us have been the hypocrite. So I'm praying for all of us today. We're not perfect. I know I'm not. I know the me you don't see. I can be a petty betty. I can lose my temper and say stupid things. I can be prideful and critical. I can be more focused on being right than on being loving. Those are all true about me. And if I've been that way to you, forgive me. Forgive me. A couple things I want to share with you as I wrap this up. If you've lost faith in Jesus because of people, maybe your faith is in people when it should be in Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look at what he taught, how he lived, and how he loved. Because the church abuses power at times, but Jesus confronted the leaders who abused their powers to oppress Church people snub their noses at those that are different than them, whose life story is different. But Jesus, Jesus loved all the outcasts. Jesus loved all the people that were not like him. He walked with the tax collectors, the dogs, of the dirty dogs of the days, the, the ones that betrayed their own people. He walked with the sinners, the prostitutes. He walked with those who were the untouchables in our community and in his community. People accuse Christians of being narrow-minded and judgmental. But everywhere Jesus went, he showed compassion for the last, the least, and the lost. 
hear me, Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but he has unlimited grace for a sinner in need of forgiveness. So church, when we get it wrong, let's be honest about it. Let's apologize. Let's repent. Let's seek to give forgiveness and be forgiven. I'm often a sinner in need, and I know that everyone here is in the same boat as me. So let's just pray together. Jesus, today we all need the same exact amount of grace because we've all fallen short. We need grace for our mistakes, but we also need to, be, to learn to be givers of that grace. We need to learn to be conduits of it. Like a, a pathway for people to receive grace that we would receive it, it would flow through us and flow into other people's lives, inside and outside the church. Lord, help us to have our expectations set right. Your word helps us do that. We've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We're all going to. Help us to, instead of fixing our eyes on each other, to fix our eyes on you. And then, Lord, I pray for every person in this room that is been hurt, wounded in relationship with someone within the church. I pray today that you would begin healing their hearts, begin healing that, those broken areas. I pray that hope would rise. I pray, Lord, that as people respond to the invitation of your Holy Spirit today, to the full freedom that Jesus paid for on the cross, that as people respond, Lord, they would experience your joy in those steps. And that we as a church would celebrate those things. We celebrate so many things in our lives. We celebrate our football teams and anniversaries and birthdays and accomplishments at work. But these are real and beautiful and powerful and important things. May we be a people who celebrate the right things as well. Spiritual things. So God, do a work in us today. Help us to upend our own hypocrisy and heal us in our hearts. Now, there's another set of people in this room that I want to speak to with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to invite you to a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Jesus paid the price for your sins so you could be forgiven. You could have a brand new start. So you could put it, be put in a right relationship with God. And right now is that moment where you could experience that fully. You can take a step. We're not looking for perfection. We're not looking for you to have it all together. Remember, you're going to be a spiritual babe. And that's wonderful. So today, if you're ready to take your next step in your spiritual journey, and it's to say yes to a relationship with God through what Jesus did on the cross, all you have to do is, is confess that faith. Hey, Jesus, I'm not just going to give you lip service, though. I'm going to live my life for you. I'm going to get in a group. I'm going to get into the training. I'm going to learn how to follow you. Until then, I'm going to experience your grace as I mess it up left and right. If that's you, you want to be in that you want to be included in a faith that looks like that? Not a faith that is a God sitting on a white throne with a lightning bolt ready to zap you if you mess up? That's not what Christianity is, and that's not the invitation. If you want to be in a real loving relationship with a God who loves you, I'm going to pray the prayer in just a moment. And if you don't want to be included, would you just slip your hand up right now and say, Aaron, that's me today. I want to say yes today. Do that now. Slip your hand up. Yeah, hands all over this room. Come on now. That's a beautiful day. Beautiful day. I'm proud of you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. 
Church, everybody, let's pray together. There is no reason for anybody to be praying alone. Everybody out loud say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. And show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you said that prayer today, all of Simple Church and all of heaven is celebrating with you. Come on, guys. Let's let them know they made the best decision of their life. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. and hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.